So my language needs to be in an influence position. In other words, I'm never gonna say what I don't want as though it is. And in other words, I'm never gonna say I'm tired. You know I'm never gonna say that? Because I don't wanna be tired. It doesn't serve me to be tired. If I admit I'm tired, I'm more tired. But if I am tired and I say I'm fired up, I'm energized, I'm ready to go, then guess what? It's, it's less likely that I'll feel tired. The power of the spoken word is real. The power of confession is real. You're listening to The Man Maker Show. Welcome to Season 1 with your host, Brad Walgamon. This podcast is all about becoming a better man for ourselves and the people around us. So if you enjoy this episode, whether you're on your way to work or mowing the lawn, make sure to share this with somebody, like, and subscribe. Well, I hope you're ready, because here we go. Hello. Welcome to episode two, season one of the Man Maker Show. Hope you're doing incredible. Brad Wolgamot coming to you from Cabo San Lucas, Mexico this particular time. Hope you're all doing well. Welcome back. Hope you had a chance to absorb a little bit of the message from episode one. Going to dig in a little bit deeper here. Sorry for the flashing lights. I am poolside. It is evening. It is quiet. The family is sleeping. All is well. I hope you're doing incredible. I'm going to cover five key points tonight. Hopefully, I'll be pretty quick. I'd like to keep these short. Sometimes they're going to go a little windy. I just apologize in advance for that. But really, don't apologize for the importance of the content. We're talking about man-making. We're talking about becoming great. We're talking about becoming significant. We're talking about this massive need for father power. We're talking about this massive need for men. And I think it's fairly self-evident that... um, there's just not a lot of leadership training on, on how to be a man. You've got the super bravado, super macho, uh, jocko, you know, style, which is incredible. You've got the toughest men in the world. You've got a lot of great messages. But I, I want to just be a little more practical with you as we go through things here tonight. I'm not trying to compete with anybody. I'm really just trying to be a, another message, uh, maybe a different message, maybe a different kind, maybe coming from a place where I haven't been in the military and I haven't... Uh, been Mr. Macho, but what I have learned to do in my life is the most important thing about being a man, and I think that's about taking responsibility. And uh, I've made great mistakes in this area. Please don't ever take any of my messages like I have just lived this perfect life. I'm sure as people get to know me, uh, they'll take the time to look at my background, and I'm just full of failure. Um, Maybe that's relief to some of you. I don't know, maybe you wanna hear a message from someone who's never made a mistake, never had a financial challenge, never had a divorce, never had an addiction, never had a problem. Or maybe you want to hear a message from someone just like you that's struggled and been up and down and all around and has failed, but yet gotten back up. And I would say all in all my life, I'm quite proud of the success of my life. I'm not quite proud of the failures, but I'm quite proud that I didn't let the failures keep me down. And so hello to you and, and, and welcome. And you know, if you doubt yourself a little bit, that's normal. If you're wondering if you have what it takes, that's normal. Um, I think the fact that you wonder if you have what it takes tells me that you want to have what it takes. And I think that's crucial. So I'm talking about responsibility in five particular areas tonight. Hopefully um, you'll stay with me and and write these down and and go to work in your own life. The first area that I believe that you need to take responsibility and that is for the vision of yourself, for the vision of your family. 
leading off with your family. If you're a single person, then you are your family. But if you have a wife or a husband, if you're a female, listen to this. This is probably for men, but I'm sure some ladies will listen. But if you're a young man and you're 8, 10, 12, 15 years old, you still need to have goals. You still need to have a vision. And there's a big difference between a goal and a vision. I won't split hairs on that tonight, but you need to have an idea of where you want things to go. God's word says in the Bible that man without vision shall perish. What does that mean? That just means that if you don't have an idea of where you want to go, you're going to end up where someone else wants you to go. And that's really just not what we want. I read a book years ago about the westward progress across the country back in the whatever, 17, 1800s, as the wagon trains came across the prairies and, and made little towns. And you've probably learned over the years that all the cities are basically built where the wagon train broke down or had to park for the season or hit a mountain pass or hit a river or had a, you know, a blockade. And so they set up camp. And the most important wagon in the wagon train was always the one that carried the provisions. And I find it interesting they called them provisions, right? Because provisions were food and medicine and probably clothing and some tools, but the things that they needed in order to sustain life. And I find it interesting that that term was called the provisions because that's really what it is. It's the vision that gives us the drive to do the awkward, to do the uncomfortable, to do the inconvenient. I believe it was... Um, uh, founder of Apple that said that if you don't love what you do, you're never going to make it. You have to love it. And that's what a vision is. A vision comes from your heart. It's something that you couldn't live without. Now, a lot of people struggle in this area because they've really never taken the time to ask themselves, what could they live without? But from a family perspective, the provision of our family is for us to provide for them. And so we have to take responsibility for the vision of the family, the direction of the family, and the provisions of the family. That, that is an honor. Now, some people think that's you know, a great responsibility, and, and, and of course there is a responsibility to it, but really, I think it's better than that. I think it's an incredible opportunity. I think it's such a, a glorious thing to be the one that the family's counting on. I can remember years ago in business hoping that some of the people that I was serving, some of the people that was really impacting, people that were really leading my life, I would dream of the day that they would call me and say, Brad, I need your help. I need you to take this mission and I need you to do this. I need you to whatever it would be. It didn't even matter to me. You know, fly across the country and deliver a message. If it was, I need you to build something. I, I need you to do something. I, it would be such an honor to be called upon for that. And that's really what it boils down to is, is being willing and being aware of the opportunity, being willing to take the opportunity, the responsibility to have the vision for the family. From that, we move into step two, and that's really the willingness to do the hard work. But I don't think you have, if you have a vision, you won't know why you work hard. You, you won't have this deep purpose. If you don't know why you do what you do, what you do won't make any sense. You, if people, I've said for years and years and years, if you know why I do what I do, what I do makes total sense because it's how I want to live that drove the actions that I took. I didn't enjoy a lot of the work that I did to build my success. It wasn't like I could hardly wait to do it because frankly, I'm better fish and 
hunt and hike and travel and hang out with my friends and go to ball games and concerts. But I didn't do a lot of that in my 20s because I was providing. I was doing the hard work. I was working my job from six, seven o'clock in the morning till six, seven o'clock at night. And then I built my company from six or seven at night till one or two or three or four in the morning oftentimes. And that was hard. There's no question about it. I was exhausted, but there was a pride that welled up in me being tired. There was a pride of the bags in my eyes. My skin would break out in acne. You know, I looked like I was on drugs or something. There was <laughs> there were times when people were like, Brad, are you all right? I'm like, I've never been more right in my life. I'm just, right? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't give them the, 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 the pleasure of saying I'm tired because I think the third key, and these are just my opinions, right? You can toss them out if you want, but my opinion is the third key is you have to watch your language. You have to keep your language in a leadership position. And leadership is the word influence. So my language needs to be in an influence position. In other words, I'm never gonna say what I don't want as though it is. And in other words, I'm never gonna say I'm tired. You know I'm never gonna say that? Because I don't wanna be tired. It doesn't serve me to be tired. If I admit I'm tired, I'm more tired. But if I am tired and I say I'm fired up, I'm energized, I'm ready to go, then guess what? It's, it's less likely that I'll feel tired. The power of the spoken word is real. The power of confession is real. And we see it all over the world. The power of confessing what we want as though it is, we have to lead with our words. And so I want to challenge you. It may sound fakey. And, and, and in all reality, it, it kind of is, but it's not. I don't think it's fakey to speak what you want as though it is. I don't think it, it it's just one of, it's one of those things where it's kind of a fine line between, some people call it like, Fake it till you make it, or, or even lying about things. But really what I want to do is I want to say, I feel great, even though I may not feel great, because I got a better chance of feeling great. If I admit I'm tired, then I'm going to feel more tired. The only time I ever admit that I was tired, when I was falling into my pillow and I could do something about it. It didn't serve me to say I'm tired until I was prepared to do something about it. What I needed to be was energized. What I needed to be was on fire. What I needed to be was strong enough to do the hard work. So if you can maintain the mindset of I'm not gonna let anything out of my mouth that doesn't serve me. And I think I'll take each of these five topics and make 15, 20 minute trainings on each of them a little bit later. But just for the sake of staying on, on point, we gotta make sure that we have a strong vision for our family, the provision. We gotta be willing to do the hard work. We've gotta manage our language. And then fourthly, we have to stay in a humble place, right? I, I, I liked a definition I heard of the word humility a little while back. There were two definitions that mean something to me. One of them I heard it was like a bit in the mouth of a stallion. I don't know if that inspires you or bothers you, but it was like this stallion could do anything. But the stallion submitted itself to the driver, the rider, the owner that could take the stallion to do amazing things. Now, the stallion could go off and do anything it wanted to, but it chose to humble itself, to put itself into a servant position so that it could be harnessed to do something significant. And that is what humility oftentimes is defined by, is being willing to be submissive. Now, submissive, again, means to completely trust. 
And it's hard for us to trust in today's world, but we'll talk more about that later as well, is, is how do we get there? But the second definition I've heard of humility that I really have enjoyed is it comes from the word humulus. And humulus back in the, I don't know if it's Greek or whatever, but it really came from the word hummus. And hummus really coming back from the concept of soil. So humility really came from the concept of fertile soil. And I love this concept that humility basically means that I am fertile soil that an idea could be planted in and I can grow and nurture that idea in a way that becomes something productive, perhaps a fruit tree, perhaps a shade tree, perhaps a tree that grows into timber. But I place myself in a position to learn something, to be transformed, to be fertile soil for that idea that can therefore go out and make an impact in people's lives, right? I wanna, I wanna be a tree that one day is planted, but one day provides shade, right? Really, we all want the, the oak tree, but reality, what we get is the acorn. And we have to be willing to, to nourish it for it to flourish. We have to water it and fertilize it and be patient. Humility basically means that I am going to be teachable, moldable, coachable. I enjoy being in this role. I have a, a man in my life that I've chosen to trust and submit to. He's far younger than me. Um, he hasn't done nearly as much in life as he ha as I have. However, I trust him. He walks with God. He has a great strength about him. He has a transparency about him. He has humility about him. And I've searched the world for a man like this. And as odd as it is, I found him. Now, you're not perfect. No one's perfect. I'm not trying to cast on anybody. All I know is that I'm, I'm a good wingman. I like being in that role. So can you be humble? Can you be that teachable spirit? Can you be that fertile soil? Because if you can, then you can move in this fifth position. The fifth position or the fifth component is that your family is here for you to serve. They're not here to serve you. Back in the day, in fact, I was told this the other day that um, a friend of mine had, had a half-brother and the half-brother um, was kind of adopted by lots of families every summer because they needed cheap labor. <laughs> I can't even imagine this. But they basically would adopt kids in the farming communities because they needed more labor. In fact, it wasn't that long ago when families had to have lots and lots and lots of kids because they needed the kids to serve the family. Now, I'm all about kids serving the family. I'm all about teamwork. I'm all about coming together for a, a, a cause. But as a man, as the leader of my family, it is my responsibility to serve my family. I'm in an inverted position. I serve my wife, I serve my children. I would always talk about the apparently person on top. Well, if I'm the person on top, if I'm the head of the household, my position is my head of the household is at the bottom to serve, to impact, to empower, to lead, to do the hard work, to do the heavy lifting. Shelly and I have always had this saying, I've asked her to embrace with me and that is I do the heavy lifting. I do the hard work. If there's something stinky, I take care of it. If something heavy, I carry it. If there's something scary, I deal with it. I do the heavy lifting. Not because I wanna be just Mr. Macho, just because I serve my family. Part of serving my family is that I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to scale the wall. I don't know how many of you guys remember that story. It went viral a while back and it was a video of a guy that looked up and there were all kinds of people on the street and there was a child that had somehow gotten out of their apartment and was on the rail, like hanging from like the third floor 
and it was going to fall to its tragedy. And so one man decides to do what? Like Spider-Man starts climbing. You've probably seen it. It just looked like superhuman strength where he just jumped and grabbed something and went up and pulled himself up and jumped up and grabbed something and pulled himself up and jumped up. And it would just seem like superhuman while there's hundreds of people watching. There was one man decided to take action. And he got up there and he saved that child's life because he took action. He's willing to put his own life at risk in order to save another. That's a man. That's the men that have gone off to the, to the war to provide freedom for people around them that they may never even know. I don't know if it's true, but I read a while back that, where was the father? And the rumor was that the father was playing Pokemon. And I don't know how they know that and all that, how they confirm that, and maybe that's nonsense, but that's what I heard. And I will tell you, there's a lot of men that are busy missing life because they're living in virtual reality. And I will promise you, and this is kind of a silly statement, but I'll promise you the warrior that is winning in the virtual world will never be the man that the woman is looking for in the real world. You wanna be a man that is sought after. You wanna be a man that is respected it won't because you're the master of level three Game of Thrones, whatever, Halo, whatever. <laughs> Probably not Game of Thrones video game, but you're, you're not, it, the master of virtual will never be the man that the woman will search for in the real. Put the games away. Find the, fi, fi, find the hard work. And the reason I say it's important because here's what I want for you. I want you to be able to look in the mirror and see a man. I want you to be able to go in there and look at a man that is keeping promises to himself. I heard it said once, I don't remember who it was, it might have been Joe Rogan, but he said that confidence is the result of keeping promises to yourself. Probably wasn't Joe Rogan, but it was someone like that. It stuck with me. Confidence is the result of keeping the promises that you've given. In other words, you put your word out there. You say, stick with me. When I asked Shelly to marry me, I promised to the world. I guarantee you I didn't say, hey, babe, if you marry me, you can have a job the rest of your life. If you marry me, we can be broke. If you marry me, we can have kids and, and struggle economically. If you stay with me, we can go camping for our favorite trips. No way. I don't mean it as an insult. I'm just saying when I asked Hillary to marry me, it, it, it was like I had to sell the vision. My wife is amazing and she wasn't going to marry just some average human. And I, don't, I hope I'm not saying that wrong, but I had to provide a vision for my wife for, for, for flourishing. I wanted to be the, I heard it said years ago, you'll either be the man that makes your wife's dreams come true or become a nightmare. I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna be the nightmare guy. If my wife has dreams to have horses, we're gonna have horses and I'm gonna find a way to buy the land, build the corrals, build the environment and make it happen. If her dream is to build an orphanage in a third world country, guess what? We're going to third world countries and we're building orphanages. If her dream is to take care of her parents as they age and mature, I guarantee you, I want to be the man that turns my wife's dreams into reality. I'm going to rise so far above. Now, 
Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to be all macho and bravado and tell you how much I am. Well, I'm trying to challenge you to come with me on this journey of being a man. I want you to look in the mirror and know that you want the phone to ring saying help. That you wanna be the person that gets the call for the last shot. Even if you miss, you wanna be that person that people can count on that in a pinch, I will give you everything I've got. You may not make the shot, I played a lot of golf tournaments, these four-man scrambles, and I love being the last guy to putt. And I, I've involved with a lot of significant leaders, and they go, why do you always putt last? They go, because I love the pressure. Like, I hate the pressure. I go, well, it's not that I love it. It's just that I want the opportunity to bail the team out when everybody else has done their best. I want you to be that man. I want you to be so proud of yourself that if things get tough, just right for me. Too hard for you, just right for me. Too hot, I'm just getting going. Exhausted, I'm just kicking in. It's a mindset. I'm not superhuman. I'm not different than you are. It's a decision that you make that when things get tough, you get tougher. That you can answer the bell because you're willing to serve your family you're willing to put down the video games. You're willing to put down whatever it is until the vision for the family is anchored and in motion. Your woman wants to marry a king. A king doesn't make excuses. A king makes things happen. And that's what we're talking about. Hang in there with me, guys. Short message tonight. Don't give up. Rome wasn't built in a day. You may fall short. You may feel like you can't do it, but I promise you, Promise you, promise you, you can. Sometimes the most important thing is to become more comfortable with not doing it and going, wasn't that bad. Okay, I'm gonna try harder next time. Failure's no fun, but we learn a lot when we make a mistake. Get back up, be stronger. You have what it takes. You have the DNA of greatness. You have the DNA of King David and Jesus in you. You can do all things. Never forget that. So, see you guys in a couple more days. The most important thing is a man. Take responsibility.